My name is Matt Brown. What about me would make you think that I care about your opinion of me? And let's start the show. Water sucks. Gatorade is better. What? Use it on the field. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. We have a very good college football show for you, talking about week three in the world of college football and looking ahead to week four. And week four has some very stellar matchups that you do not want to miss. So before we get to our analysis, before we get to our previews, before we make our picks, and before we talk all things college football... I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasted platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProcomoPod, and we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So yes, we have a very big show for all of you talking about the world of college football, and there is a lot to discuss and soak in. I mean, we saw a legit war between Colorado and Colorado State that resulted in many injuries, that resulted in people showing who the hell they are, and that is one game we have to get into. What's going on with Alabama? They have a win against the University of Southern Florida. That doesn't seem too convincing, but a win is a win. We have LSU improving. The Big Ten looks like they have a great future ahead. Ohio State might be better than people think. And, of course, we are going to look into the week ahead in college football. This is a very big weekend. And it seems like we're finally going to get some big matchups that we have been waiting for. Like Florida State versus Clemson. Ohio State versus Notre Dame. Alabama and Ole Miss, and a lot, lot more. So we have a lot to talk about. Alex Rinelli is with us, and we have a new person joining Productive Conversations today. He is making his debut, mainly focusing on sports, and he will make his debut talking college football, and he'll also do some NFL shows with us. His name is Nico Nocera, so a nice Italian dude from Connecticut, and we are going to get to know him, and welcome to the family, Nico. We are very glad to have have you so why don't we just get into it let us talk about college football let us talk about the previous week look to the week ahead and maybe make some profound moments in our heads so it's going to be a good time nico and alex i should say alex it's your turn again nico it's your turn for the first time so let's get to it guys let's talk all things college football here we go Matt from norwalk uh let's see matt brown wants to know this is a very productive conversation Week three of the college football season is done. We saw a bloodbath between two in-state rivals. We see some question marks from former powerhouse programs. We see some people trying to make a push as we get deeper into the month of September. And it's going to be a great time. So first, Alex Ranelli is with us. But we also have a new kid on the block. Very excited to introduce a new member of this team. His name is Nico Nocera. Hailing you know? from the great world of planet Earth. What's up, Nico? Thank you for joining us for the first time. We're- thanks, thanks for having me. I'm excited, looking forward to it. Um, looking to shop it up, talk some football. Um, I'm honored, honored to be invited to this podcast. I'm really excited. 
as am I and all of us are honored to have you. So Nico will join us throughout the football season of both college and NFL, and hopefully some other shows throughout our existence. So it's going to be a great time. Glad to have you, Nico. So why don't we start it off by talking about the big game that took place, the most streamed college football game that has ever happened. And that game is Colorado versus Colorado State. An absolute true war between two in-state rivals. After a lot of smack talk during the week, they went head-to-head. And we had a lot going on. I mean, first off... Why don't we talk about the injuries that happened on both sides of the ball for both teams? We had, obviously, Travis Hunter gets knocked out of the game despite that player giving him the cheap shot. So he does not deserve any death threats whatsoever. He definitely should have at least been ejected or suspended. But it looks like it's not going to happen. Travis Hunter is going to be out for a few weeks. We had Shadur Sanders get... um, we had Shadur Sanders get shaken up. He even poked somebody in the eye. Definitely no excuse on that one. We had Colorado State's best defender, Kamara, kept getting hurt throughout. But ultimately, it won't, goes into double overtime, and Colorado gets the victory, continuing their undefeated season. So right here, right now, what did you guys think about the game itself? And then we'll focus on the two schools. What did you think about this, the most streamed game ever? I think it was an unbelievable football game to have as arguably the most stream, like when it's the most stream game ever. Um, both teams just really wanted it, came to play. Um, the one thing that has me really sad about it is that's Pac-12 football, old school Pac-10 before it was the Pac-12. Mm-hmm, it's sad yeah. that this is the last year, but um, I'm yeah. glad that they got a couple games and like that. But that game was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. It was um, you could tell it was like very heated and contested right out the gate. A lot of emotions. You could see how it was stirring with just the amount of um, you know, yards through the air and like all the penalties and the interceptions. Um, it was a real like sloppy game, and um, but that that's right. you're gonna expect that when you have in-state rivals. So I thought like they both teams like let all their emotions out on the field, and you could see it throughout the entire course of the game. Definitely, no doubt. And Dion is the one on top of him and his crew. Now, focusing on Colorado, which definitely will be our most talked about school at this point. It's really established. They already hit three wins. Their over-under was three and a half by Vegas, so they just need to win one more game. You already win that. You already win that prop. At, um, so good stuff there. But... Starting off, starting out three and zero, despite having some injury issues, they seem to keep finding somebody new to step up. If it's not Travis Hunter, it's Shiloh Sanders. If it's not Shiloh Sanders, obviously Shador or, um, or other other stellar offense. You know, Colorado's looking really good now. Their schedule is getting a little tougher. I do think, despite a stellar offense, their defense is. Not all that impressive. They are. They've let. They've allowed thirty points in three straight games. You're definitely going to have to decrease that, especially going up against tough opponents this week, which includes Oregon this week, and then they're going to have USC at home. But so far, so good with Colorado, don't you think? And do you think they could continue their dominance, or do you think they will have some reality coming their way? And they're opening this week ranked nineteenth in the nation. I think um, this game was a, was a, a nice little emotional test um, to see what happens when they can face adversity and have to, you know, 
push through a lot of, um, you know, uh, tempers rising. Um, luckily, you know, Colorado State was an inferior team. So, right. you know, he, he was able to navigate that roster. Dion was able to navigate that roster to make sure those guys were resilient and ready and kept their cool, even despite the fact that what they had in terms of outbursts throughout this game. But it was contested. It was heated. You expect some of these Pac-12 matchups for the remainder of the year to be the same. And I think that they have a very good shot to um, they'll obviously be underdogs to, you know, overcome Oregon. But I think they have a really good shot. Uh, playing against Oregon, and I think that they're just going to ride that inertia into USC, and, and luckily they have USC at home for that game. Um, I expect them to keep it tight, even if um, USC prevails, because I think that ultimately Lincoln Riley and his well-oiled machine are going to probably outlast Colorado. And uh, piggyback off that too, like I cuts off the coach Sanders and going three and zero, revamping the program, getting everything back up, but. I'm not all in on this team, unfortunately. Um, I do give them a lot of credit going three and all, but you're letting Colorado State hang around. Who Colorado State? Like before this week, who was Colorado State? They're going yeah, they were on the twenty map. point I, favorites coming into this. That's what I mean. Like I, I get it. I get it's a rivalry game. I get it's close heated. Um, but like the drag routes. I mean, I'm like Colorado State five yards a clip every single time off the ball. They're just underneath, underneath, underneath. That's great when you have a guy from Colorado State doing that. This week in Bo Nix. I just think it's going to be very, very tough. I'm not saying that I don't think Colorado will score. I do. I really expect this game to be a competitive first half. Colorado to get their points. But next week for sure, I mean, I, I think Bo Nix is going to put it in, on that defense. And I I just can't see that defense getting in the way. Like, the offense is great. A lot of talent. Hunter being out is going to – it's a big miss. It's a big loss. I just really can't see Colorado hanging around with Bo Nix, hanging around with Caleb Williams and USC. Right now, it's great. You're playing Colorado State, TCU, hangover year from last year, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Indeed. So real, so real quick, before because Nico wasn't privy to our preseason, um, you know, preview and whatnot, but I did, you know, highlight the discrepancy between the top two dogs in the Pac-12 versus the rest of the field, and I do think that that margin is very slim when you look at, you know, three through six, three through nine in the Pac-12. So. While I agree with you, I think that they're going to be tested with Oregon. They might get smacked around with that defensive bonix. I do think that the discrepancy, the window is a lot smaller of a margin than there is, particularly at the top with USC. Yeah, and especially as you play higher-ranked teams. I know they beat TCU when they were at 17, but that's the big thing and theme we're talking about is the test to see what this program and all these new recruits actually have to offer. And the college football 12 get the 12-team playoff isn't until next year, but if they want to really make a case and uh, go off the bat there, you are going to make these games competitive. Yep, absolutely, 100%. And we could definitely get a little more into the Colorado and Oregon matchup when we do our picks. But again, regardless, this was a classic college football game. I think it'll be remembered for a very long time. And um, we will see where where it leads ultimately for both um, schools. Absolutely. The one thing I will say with Colorado State, I was really – on that opportunity uh, towards the end of the game, um, there was two minutes and four seconds left, I believe. It was fourth and two. They had your, I know it would be pinned them inside the five. I think your offense was playing against that defense. I think they should have went for the win um, right there and won the game. But hats off to Colorado with the win. Um, 
also towards the end of that game in overtime, after the end of the first overtime, I was on my couch screaming, go for two. I, I thought <laughs> yeah. the end of the game right there. At that um, point, like one in the morning too. <laughs> yeah, just uh, it was, yeah, it was an absolute battle though. Great, just it was a great college football game all around. Yep. We absolutely love to see it. And now I'm talking about a more established program is the University of Alabama. Now they've beat the University of Southern Florida by score is 17 to three, but wasn't a convincing game. And um, still trying to figure out what, who is the starting quarterback and uh, swapping people here and there. They definitely should have routed this team, but they somehow kept it competitive throughout. Despite being ranked 10th this week, they went down again. Now they're ranked 13th going into this week. Alabama's in real trouble, guys. Real, real trouble of being a powerhouse. And I don't know, you is it too early to say they're not going to make the college playoff at this point unless they start killing teams as the um, as we get deeper into the season? <clears throat> I, I think absolutely. I think it's they have such an uphill battle to go from the offense to the deep. Like defense is there, but again, for South Florida, but I, I you got to play. Uh, you got to figure it out on offense. I think Saban's definitely going to figure it out and get him. Um, I, I really personally like Noro. I think he can move. I think he can move around the pocket. And if they run more offense in his favor, I think it will work out. Um, but again, they have another battle coming up. Um, but yeah, I am. This Bama team, I think the playoffs are, it's tough. It's going to be tough for them to get there. Yeah, it's clearly showing that the NIL is starting to really hit everybody. Bama would always be almost an automatic to get these big players. But once you get other programs that clearly have more financial stability and better perks, they are going there no matter where you're at. And now we're really starting to see the NIL taking effect as a whole after it started a couple of years ago. So there's just not enough. Ta- there's just not a lot of exciting players coming out of this Alabama team. I thought Jalen Milrow for a second, but uh, my words are getting eaten as um, it's progressing. And he's not uh, Jalen Hurts, who I thought he was going to be. I think that I think the wealth has been spread around the SEC too. I think there's definitely a green light out um, in terms of what the NIL has been doing to to kind of destabilize the field, so to speak. Um, I think a lot of guys are more brand centric. They want to make their money. They want to spread their wings. They want guidance, that one-on-one partnership with the coach, kind of what Dion's doing, permeating that 68-man roster. So, uh, 53-man roster. So, I think you you start to see these little bubbles, these pockets of talent going elsewhere. It used to be just an immediate shoe in that they'd get the best of Florida, the best of Texas, the best of California in the recruiting class. But now it's not so much a given and it's going to take time to develop. Um, the, the thing is, um, I, and I said this during the, the, the pre the preview episode, um, the, 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 the NIL and the way it's uh, really shaking things up has the most deleterious effects on a program like Bama where it's all about systems. So it, you got to get guys to buy into the system similar to the, you have to, the way you have to buy into the San Antonio Spurs system or the New England Patriots system. And if you're a big brand and you're a young guy and, you, and you're, you're hot shit and you want to spread your wings, that's not going to be necessarily congruent with that system. So I think especially particularly with Bill O'Brien leaving, Sarkeesian leaving, Lane Kiffin over the years, um, it's not necessarily a given that you're going to have the same offensive firepower. So if they need to get in the trenches and win defensive games like this, so be it. But it's not going to necessarily translate to the playoff where the committee's looking at point differentials. They're looking at strength of schedule 
And I just don't see them winning out the rest of the season. Hundred percent agree. I just don't think it's it, it's just too hard at this point. I think you're right. You got to buy into the Bama program. Um, you got a couple guys. You're going to get a good recruiting class again next year. Um, I think it's more important to get the team to buy into the program itself at this point. Um, not that the playoffs are impossible. It's just it's going to be a lot, a lot of tough matchups left. Yeah, because like they'll 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 re-oil the machine. Like they'll be back in, in full effect for years to come. I just don't necessarily know that they're going to have that margin of differential when it comes to recruiting the way they did in years past. Not wrong, not wrong at all. It's it's just a game and. Um... Ask those boosters for more money at this point because that's all you can really do. And, or you have um, more charismatic coaches to lure your win, lure your win. Well, real quick, before we get off this, uh, this topic, um, I think that there is a, an important highlight um, to kind of uh, notice too. Like with, with Saban and Belichick, I think they're both at inflection points where they understand and, and recognize that their system needs a tweak, needs a facelift. And they're kind of grasping at straws to figure out a way to do that because both systems, they always had a model of excellence. They had a Bill O'Brien in, in Alabama, or they had a stable running back for four years, or they had a Bryce Young. And then same with New England, they had a Brady. They had guys in the defense that were there 10, 12 years. There's not necessarily that stable guy um, in the room that's able to kind of continue to breed faith in the program. Um, so I think that they kind of need to tweak and maybe – invite a little more star presence into that locker room to kind of work with these young guys. Yeah, clearly it, I think it shows that no matter wh whoever it, at this point, no matter what coach you have, no matter who you are as a coach, if you don't have the players, you really aren't going to last in these leagues, no matter what we like to think that, you know, these obviously legend living legends as coaches can, you know, train, the three of us and a bunch of schmucks to beat these teams, but it's not the case. It really is a matter of just getting the best talent at this point. And, 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 and it could be as simple as like reaching out to, you know, the biggest pool of alumni in school history and just reaching out and having that guy come in on a pep, do a pep talk on a Wednesday and get those guys ready to play kick them in the ass. You know, it's like, it's simple as that. I mean, you could get guys that, that were former alumni that were stars in their own right through the Bama program, get them on the field during the week and just kind of just nurture these guys, you know, or bring so in the even, rock even show some, like uh, Colorado dudes. Yeah. Even show some clips, even show some like highlights of Bama yeah. from the past, like show their team, like show, show the heart they played with at, like just Bama, show Bama football. Right. Back to glory. <laughs> Speaking of schools trying to go back to glory, LSU, after a difficult loss against Florida State to start their season, they have had two dominant wins back to back as their season progresses and then they're trying to make up for lost ground. Do we see LSU being able to do that? And especially the rise of another quarterback who could be somebody to look out for in Jaden Daniels. I 100% think they are a scary team. Uh, defenses should have nightmares about Daniels and Ryan Kelly and what they can do with this team. Um, I know it was a tough watch for Florida, for Florida State. Great battle. Florida State's also a great football team. But I just really think LSU, 
right now, I'm taking LSU over, not go back to Bama, LSU over Bama, but I really think LSU is a powerhouse um, with this team. And I think they have so much potential to get better. They're going to get better week after week after week. And I think they're going to be a team you don't want to see come December, early January. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I had my questions about Brian Kelly last year, inheriting this program, them throwing that stupid amount of money at him. Um, but I think that he's kind of calmed down. He's kind of set into the position that he's being held to, um, held to account. And, um, you know, my, my concern is just how um, how well this loss to Florida State ages because their um, their quality of schedule is not elite. I mean, it's an ACC schedule. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of dogs on that, on that schedule like LSU does. And similarly with the remainder of the SEC as well. So I, I feel like, I feel fully confident that LSU can run the table. Um, I'm just concerned about how that loss ages over the duration of the selection committee when it comes to picking four. And that's what I'm really excited for when they pick 12. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a little easier. There'll be more to choose from and also seeing how they, they, they implemented that into the bowl season. But um you know that's that, that's the thing in seeing these these other new schools trying to slip in or be competitive. Maybe we Absolutely. see Penn State make the big um, the the four or Florida State they can hold on or Notre Dame. But as we keep going forward, and um, you know, we are here in mid in um, just about the end of September into mid, and uh, some more rivalry games are starting and stuff like that. It's uh, really interesting, but. Um, I think it, the the name of the game is just putting up points, just showing that offense. See if Jaden Daniels is the real deal amongst all our other great teams we keep talking about. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see him prove it over these next couple of weeks. Like you said, it's going to get crazy now. Getting into SEC play, more and more tough matchups. Um, see what he can do. Let's let him work. And like Alex said, I I also have my questions about Brian Kelly. Um, and I think he just can't get in the way of this offense. And I think they can have a very, very successful season. Do you think he will? Do you th- Or do you think he has too much of an ego or pride to uh, um, let it in there? Or will he let his players rock, as they say? Um, I... I, I honestly think he did get like a little like swagger change going to LSU from Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame, he had like a little, I don't know if it's a control issue or what the case was. Like they, they were consistent, winning, couldn't win the big game. Um, I don't know if that's going to be here because in the, the thing about Notre Dame, not that they don't have tough schedules, um, you're playing in the SEC every year. A game versus Missouri on a Saturday night or Saturday at noon isn't a walkthrough. You don't you, in the SEC. Every team you got to look out for. So I really think Brian Kelly is going to be tested more than ever, um, and especially this season. So I, I do think that's going to help him, and I think he's just going to get not that he's a bad coach. But I just think he's going to get more and more and more um, tested, battle tested, and he's just going to see where he can take this team this year with Daniels. Yeah, I think I he, like it. it. He'll have a test in gamesmanship November fourth when they play Bama at home, um, because you know that um, with. With, uh, with with Saban, his personality, he he he's very reductive. He's going to bring you down to his level, and he's going to beat you in his game. So um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see that that dynamic um, from sideline to sideline, oh, the way these guys orchestrate kind of this offense and make those second half adjustments. Um, similarly, I feel the same way when you fast forward two weeks with the Mississippi game because um, while you know Lane Kiffin, we have our jokes about him. I, I think that he is a legitimate coach and. 
Um, this Mississippi team can play. They're like the rest of the SEC. They they know how to ball. They show up. Um, so you know it, it's nice to you know pour it on with against Grambling State and Mississippi State. You know it's an impressive win to bounce back, but um, they got to get ready. They got to be, be prepared. Excellent points. Excellent points. The one thing that's in their favor coming off a big win like that too, um, having a bye this week gives yep. them two weeks to prepare for Lane Tiffin and that team. Um, I, I really think that is going to play out in Brian Kelly and LSU's favor. Most definitely. So I wanted to talk about another matchup that was pretty funny to see that lended that had two players square up at the end in helmets with their helmets. Like that's going to be a hilarious image. We can never forget, but obviously the game I'm talking about is Tennessee and Florida, which Florida actually upsets Tennessee. They were ranked 11th, and Florida beats them down. So seeing this, and people were excited about Florida in a post-Anthony Richardson era, what do you think about this win for them? And do you think they could get back being ranked and um, make a push forward? And is this loss to Tennessee detrimental, or will they be uh, able to come back? Yeah, absolutely. In the sense of Florida, it was great to see the swamp packed. It was great to see the fans back into the game. Um, I think there were a couple of personal fouls, light some fire into the fan base and definitely got them um, ready. Mm -hmm. But I was very impressed with the overall performance, offense, defense all around. Um, The game, even though it was only a 13-point final, it just seemed distant. It was like one of those games, in my opinion, that wasn't the score really didn't tell off. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. It was like a very explosive game for just a 13 point differential. Um, and you see that a lot, especially with these SEC matchups where there's a lot of emotions stirring in the game. Um, it was surprisingly a clean game on paper. Um, when you actually look at like the stat sheet and the way the, 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 the numbers bear themselves out, but it really was lopsided when you look at the ground attack and the way that they were able to control the clock. Um, they almost doubled them up on paper, 40 to 20. They're right around 37 minutes time of possession. And um, no, I, I mean, it was, you know, it was an efficient offensive game on both sides of the ball. I think that's classic SEC where you're going to be trading a lot of possessions. And, um, you know, for, for, for Tennessee moving forward, um, it's just going to be a matter of how, how resilient can that front four be over the duration of the game? Um, you saw Florida kind of wear them down, wear them down. And there's a lot of ground and pound attack offensive strategies when you look across the SEC East in particular. So I think that Florida kind of took full advantage. You saw a little glimpse of that and where their weaknesses, where their chink in the armor was for Tennessee. But uh, Florida, you know, it's fun. They're exciting. Like Ego said, they had a packed house. Energy was back. Um, I was just waiting to see Tebow and Aaron Hernandez on the side. That would have really popped it off. (laughs) (laughs) Something, right? The other great, like Florida, too, just didn't turn the ball over. You, you don't turn the ball over in that type of matchup. You pound the ball, you, you hit your open guys, you'll win games. You'll win football games, the recipe to success. Um, that's and speaking, that's a, and speaking of pounding balls, I don't know if you guys saw Urban Meyer with his lap full in the front row. <laughs> no, I missed that, really. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this week really did have a lot of blowouts between these ranked teams. But one game I did want, uh, one team I wanted to focus on and um, had a good suggestion here was Ohio State, currently ranked sixth. They have a they had a huge dominant victory over Western Kentucky, winning sixty three to ten. 
what is the identity with this team? They're six right now. Um, oh, ever so close to the college football playoff. They seem to be scoring a lot of points in their games. Their defense seems to be dominant. Where do we see Ohio State after the first few weeks? Um, I am uh, Ohio State off, obviously, um, big win last week. I was actually really worried about that team after um, the opening game to Indiana, then um, versus Youngstown State, two teams that I felt like they could have really manhandled and proved a lot in that offense um, that I was not impressed with. But this past week, um, dominating Western Kentucky, just letting it all out. Um, it is it was good to see, um, especially a much needed game for confidence for the players going into Notre Dame um, this coming Saturday. Yeah, that'll be a true test. Um, <clears throat> I know Matt's you know big on Notre Dame. I like them too. I love their coach. I love the, um, the their style of play, particularly on offense. I mean, I'm not the biggest Ryan Day fan. Um, I think that after the Indiana game, they kept it a little too tight. That it kind of left a lot of. Uh, a bad taste in people's mouth um, during the uh, the preseason picks. I had them as the first out um, when picking the final four uh, for the playoff. And I'm mm-hmm. going to stand by that, you know, all things considered again, I'm holding out to make sure that, uh, that um, USC rises to the occasion through the, the course of the season. But um, if they, if they continue to play the way that they're uh, built to be, um, I think that Ohio state will probably be right around that five, six mark, but you know, the dominating bad teams, that's what you expect um, good programs to do. Um, I fully expect a really good game against Notre Dame. Um, I think Notre Dame played uh, NC State last week. Yes, and two weeks ago. Last week, yeah, I think last week they, yeah, they played like a – I forget who it was. But Central Michigan like a, they played. Central but, Michigan. Yeah, so, so – um, And destroyed them. Identity-wise, bringing it back to Matt's original question, I do see a lot of um, – I, I do see a lot of, you know, high powered, you know, track star receivers continue to be this identity with Ohio State beating guys off the ball on the margins. I don't know how much meat and potatoes football they really are in the center of the field. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see when they're matched up with, you know, a lot of um, stud athletes with Notre Dame. But you, if you look at a game like NC State, like the way that they were able to kind of slow down and chunk the game in the first half for Notre Dame, it gave them a lot of fits, a lot of trouble where they had to go into the, um, into um, the half really kind of reorchestrating and reorganizing that offense. And I think that um, Ohio state's going to take a page out of NC state's book from two weeks ago to kind of see what they did well, what they did wrong, because I mean, once they came back out, it was, it was night and day. They, they say good night to, um, to, to, uh, to that team, but I think that there was a lot of good things going on that they're going to pull from that game. So I fully expect to see a lot of um, a lot of similarities in the gameplay. Absolutely, I think that's the best thing they could do is just did see what worked the past couple of weeks and try to implement it. I mean, um, yeah, especially with a team that again, the receivers are the receivers; they're not going to be stopped. Um, they're going to get their yards, but um, you, you got to see what other teams did that worked. Because so far, in order to improve that. Everyone's talking about Hartman Hartman, the quarterback, quarterback. Their defense is a real deal. They they they're they're deal. They're a real deal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. It's gonna be really exciting. And one more thing I want to talk about before we look into this next week, uh, week four. We have the Big Ten. So this is both 
realize it's both a Big Ten and Pac-12 discussion. As you mentioned, this is you know, this is low key. The last year, the bit of the Pac-12, unless we hear this winter that they were able to recruit all these Mountain West schools and um, mm-hmm. try to somehow convince us that's a Power Five conference. But if you've noticed that what they have, um. Pretty much three-fourths of the conference is all ranked right now. And if you add that with them moving, we have the Big Ten, you know, Big Ten, you know, having good things. You know, Ohio State and Penn State's good, but Michigan um, at two. And, you know, this Pac-12 team that everyone's going somewhere different and a lot of them going to the Big Ten. It's a, big, a lot of Big Ten and Big 12 schools. It's crazy how stacked they are right now. USC at five, Colorado at nineteen, Oregon at ten, Oregon State at fourteen, UCLA go UCLA go at twenty-two, Utah at eleven, which is a sneaky good team, Washington yep. at eight, and Washington State at twenty-one, and they're all about to leave, and they're putting really good teams out there. I was like, what do you guys think as they transition to their new conferences and how? good they actually are and if you're a loyal pack 12 or nico mentioned the former pack 10 if you want to go as far i think they were once the pack eight and <laughs> seeing them just dissolve once again due to influences by nil influences by big tv contracts and just going yep. where the money is and it's weird to have schools going like to the acc and they're not in the atlantic coast like a Stanford, for instance, or sorry, and a and a California, it's uh, it's just this. the The thing I really much want to talk about is how really this is going to be not. I watching like five to ten years that this is just going to be one big major division one, like the top sixty schools going at it at once, especially having the uh fourteen, the twelve team college football playoff system coming like what do you think about this in the pac 12 and how stacked they are and they're all just about to leave i i just think it's it's a shame that at, at this time the year right before everything happens there if in my lifetime first i i can't think of a better pac 12 like maybe back when oregon was oregon Mariota and them were unbelievable but like the whole conference top to bottom as a whole it's 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 sad to see it happen um i mean again i'm i'm a fan of players getting paid, uh, all that stuff. Um, I, I really do like NIL. I think it is beneficial. It's also has its downfalls and this is something that I believe is a big downfall. Um, I, I just, Whack. I do think like you mentioned, it's going to go end up taking the segue into like one big mega conference because what are you going to do when you have 10 out of the top 25 in the same conference? It's like, what, what else can like, these teams are just going to keep beating up on each other. And it's it's I just really wish they could have um, made it happen where they, they, they were able to stay in the Pac-12. But I know it's not the reality. Um, but hey, last year they're going out with a bank. That's that's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It almost has like I know Nico could speak to this, too. It feels like some of that little bit of dissolvement when the Big East first basketball first went mm-hmm. away and they kind of spread all the teams out. It was really disappointing and sad because it was like, even once they reculminated it, it was never quite the same from the original inception. Um, I kind of feel that way, even if they do bring Pac-12 back in the future. But yeah, they're, I mean, they're definitely going to go out with a bang. They, I, I, they've had issues in recent past with coaching changes across the conference 
Um, but the, the, the fact remains that they still have their recruitment there. So it doesn't matter if they go to the Big Ten. They're still going to have the California recruiting and the Arizonas and, and places of that nature where you're getting, you know, really all-star top-level um, athletes and players. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see where they go. I think that a lot of this really boils down to TV contracts and geopolitics. I think a lot of it is the viewership is moving back to its you know right rightful home base, which is more like Ohio, the center of the country, the northeastern states. That's really where the, the highest viewership is. And I think that they're the NCAA is trying to make a pivot back to a little more um, viewership loyalty when it comes to the total scope of where. Um, where people are watching these games, kind of meeting people where they are. So I think there's a lot, a lot of factors going on. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes up the rest of the the other four conferences because the reality is, I think that you're going to have more, even more. Like we we talk about how packed these um, top 25 matchups are week to week. I think they're going to be even more lethal, more loaded um, week after week now because now you're having more head to head matchups with. Um, with ranked opponents on a weekly basis because you're not worried about five conferences. You're worried about four now. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's going to definitely help as well. With uh, sure. it, it will give them a recruiting aspect as well. Like, hey, you're going to see the whole East Coast. Like, you're <laughs> play with us. You're gonna you're gonna go on a nice tour. It is a good pitch. But like, I, even this, I'll use this year's teams as an example. I would love to see a player like Caleb Williams though go to yeah. a twelve o'clock game at Northwestern in November. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm very curious. Like, it's a different breed. It's that would be different. cool. It's not. 10 o'clock versus San Jose State, and everyone's having fun. This is no one gives a shit at that out. Yeah, round, yeah, ground <laughs> town. It's it's different. 9 a.m. local time. We'll see. Because if you imagine they cut out those those games where the viewership is next to nothing, it's a 10 o'clock kickoff or a 9 o'clock kickoff East Coast time. Now you're not playing a San Diego State or you know a Colorado State or something like that. You're playing like a Northwestern or a Rutgers or a Nebraska, you know, and like these teams could come back to prominence. You're seeing how they're investing in coaching with having Matt roll back. I think they know where the direction of the viewership's going and they know that the boosters can support having a revival in those programs. too. absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually kind of excited to see more of the, them all coming together and abolish the conference system. And it's just one major league and do everything they can to make it an NFL minor league without becoming professionals. Because at that point you do have to, you're a professional, you'll have to offer benefits and all that stuff. But, and I'm only saying this because, and I don't have a college football team. Maybe it's easier for me to separate that, but I just think it's, and to also add to your your points, and if I'm seeing a USC school going down to Chicago for a week, or um, if we see a, a, a Florida versus, I don't know, we'll do Florida, Ohio State, and seeing those type of things changing. I think to take the positives out of a weird situation that's so financially based and the money is so big i can't wrap my head around it why not and hopefully when we talk about this again in five ten years that this prediction becomes true then well look what we have look at this uh look this is just an example of the times right i think 
when you fast forward the clock two, three years, Matt, we talk about prognosticating what the landscape of college football will look like. I think it's very strategic on the NCAA's part, particularly when you culminate the presence of these four power conferences moving forward, because instead of, you know, a week where Oregon's playing Hawaii or they're playing an unranked Stanford or a Cal, now they're playing, you know, Nebraska or they're playing Penn State or they're playing Ohio State. It's just it's more meat and potatoes for the viewership on a weekly basis. I think that they're trying to make a parallel economy with college football in the same congruence that the NFL has. So they're trying to jam pack as much star power week after week for the 11, 12 weeks they have on the schedule. And I think it's smart. I, I really do. I, I, I think it all comes back to paying the players. I think paying the players, you have yeah. to get your money elsewhere. So they're going to load up the viewership, <laughs> load up everything else. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta, <laughs> they're cutting their losses somehow. <laughs> mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. Um, now let's look ahead to this week and let's start making our picks and let us talk about, um, let's just start with the big matchups right ahead. The first, the most compelling 12 o'clock matchup. We have Florida State and Clemson. Florida State ranked at four. Clemson lost their rank. They're at home. The spread at this moment is minus two and a half. What's going on here? Florida State almost lost to Boston College. Now, Boston College ain't a bad school, but they were up deep in the half. I think it was 31 to six. What was it like? Or let me confirm it, but they almost blew the lead is what I'm saying. So, yeah, going into the first half, it was, yeah, they were up 31 to 10 at one point, and they almost blew it. Yet the committee get, did them a favor keeping that at four. One, do you think Florida State should be that high after almost blowing it? Well, I, we'll start with that question. I, I personally think so, yeah. Um, when I think LSU, um, if they're basing that win and everything, um you know, we win that game, and it, it's a. I get it's a tough game for Boston College. Um, you love them back in the game. I, I think it's too hard to drop them this early in the year. Um, Bama was yeah. a different story. I felt like I felt like Bama for South Florida. That's different. Boston College. I know. I think Florida State was twenty six and a half point favorite. Um, so they they, they should have handled them pretty easily. But um, I, I just think it's too early to drop a team like that. Um, battle tested this week. Um. This week, in my opinion, is the biggest question mark game in the history of question mark games because you don't, you don't, Florida State, you don't know who they are after last week. Oh, who's going to come up? Is it going to be the second half team? Is it going to be the first half? And Clemson is, who is Clemson right now? Like, I, I don't know. You don't know. It's, it, it's really one of those games where it's, it's, I'm very interested to see. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot by 3 30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Saturday. Yeah, if you're not a Big Ten, Big 12, or an SEC school vibing for the first four spots in the playoff, you can only be who's in front of you. And I think that the quality of the win against LSU, you know, may, may as it be early on in the season, I think that's going to hold enough value to carry them where they're not going to get dropped this early in the season. So they can play a tight game with Clemson. It's not really going to affect them. They may drop a spot. They may drop two spots. But um, I think that they'll handle Clemson very, very handily, very easily. I, I also do have Florida State winning this game. Uh, I think the line and everything, a lot of it's Clemson. Clemson at home, it's a great tradition. I'm locking out everything. But I think Florida State is too talented for this Clemson team. 
Yeah, let's oh, be yeah. real. I think um, Florida State is going to knock the uh, hopes and dreams out of Clemson. They could play in the uh, poinsettia bowl after this. And uh, Florida State is going to continue a very impressive season with um, their impressive quarterback play. Really like um I really like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Travis. And that guy is scoring points, doesn't turn over the ball, very fast, and um, seems like a good game manager and might even be a leader moving forward. And um, it'll be very interesting, though, with the close spread, and I think they will be able to easily overcome that. So the next game we'll talk to, Michigan's final game without Jim Harbaugh until he makes his return. They're playing Rutgers. Now, Rutgers has had an impressive 3-0, and but they're definitely getting their first loss. Michigan is minus 24. I do think um, I want to take the points of Michigan, even though Rutgers is looking a little bit better, improving their program there. But um, give Michigan the win, but give the points to Rutgers. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement 100%. I, I do think Michigan's going to win this game. I do like Rutgers getting 24. Um, I do think it is an interesting matchup as well. Um, just being Rutgers off to a great start. Um, I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's one of their first better starts in a long time. Um, oh, yeah. Three and I, um, but again, Michigan, that defense, man, I, I just, I don't know how Rutgers, they might get a lucky off a turnover too, but I, I think Rutgers defense will hang, make the game close. I, I, I think I have Michigan in like a 24 to 3, 24 to 7 dog fight. Mm-hmm. Both, something like that. Yeah, for years, the joke was Rutgers does no place being in Big Ten football. But uh, maybe they are, you know, maybe they see that clearly the conference is expanding. If we want any respect from anyone, we're going to have to get some wins and at least be competitive. And a real test is Michigan for sure. But um, I think they'll be able to at least get some moral victory out of it. 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, they'll, they'll hang tough. 24 is a lot for any opponent, particularly someone who's undefeated coming into the into the into Michigan's house. Yeah. So Rutgers. Rutgers have a chip on their shoulder. Um, similar to the the points we discussed about um, Tennessee holding the line when they were playing Florida with that with that run defense, I just think this is going to boil down to Michigan um, just overpowering their will against that front four of, of Rutgers. I think that they can only bend so much, and then they're eventually going to break in the second half. So I think that they'll play a conservative offense, Michigan, and they're just going to wear them down. Now, once Jim Harbaugh comes back after this week, is he just going to have that program run away with it? Jim Harbaugh is not there, but he's there, in my opinion. He Everything <laughs> that is being Good said, statement. every play that's being ran, I think it's all Jim Harbaugh. Um, I think he's just like you said. I think he's going to run with it. I do. I do think I'm a big Harbaugh family guy. I love Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh. I think they're great coaches. They know the game. Um, people say he can't win the big game, but past couple of years, I, I, he's getting close. He's getting there. Yeah, he beat Ohio State, which was the big one. And now bring that national championship, and then maybe you want to go back to the NFL. I don't know, but well, um, well I said like, combo for a later day. As long as Ohio State's out of the picture, I think that's like the that's the boogeyman under their bed. I think that's the only thing holding Harbaugh back from a chip this year. But um, to your to your point, you know, Matt, and and uh, you know, I think that they're going to play a conservative offense with this Rutgers scheme. Um, but even once 
once Harbaugh returns back to the field, I think that they're still going to continue to kind of um, hedge some of this offense. So they may not have these impressive wins because of their strength of schedule. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, they don't have a ranked opponent until November 11th with Penn state. And, and then they're going to end up with Ohio state two weeks later. So I think they're going to save, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to pull a lot of their punches because they don't want to show too much of their offensive hand to give preparation for Penn State and Ohio State. Um, I think that's really what this boils down to. It's just a matter of how much they actually reveal their offense. I get it. I get it. So Oklahoma's going to Cincinnati, ranked 16th Oklahoma. Oklahoma's only at minus 14 and a half, but Cincinnati's always been a good program for sure throughout the years. Um I'm going to give the Sooners the win. And I do think that they will cover the spread as well, staying undefeated and hopefully starting a better future with that program there. Um, what do we say here? I, I agree. With you. I agree with your statement. I think um, a lot of people have this game on upset watch, have Cincinnati upset watch, upset, yeah. upset watch. I think Oklahoma's too strong. I think this is a good Oklahoma team. Um, I think they – Obviously, had a couple of easy matches, but I think they played great. Um, I, I think they're going to win this game fairly easily. 14 and a half. I'm usually not a guy that likes taking favorites on the road like that, but I think they win this game 30 plus. I do. You you haven't won in that, that high outright. I do. I do. Wow. I, 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 that's, I do. I, I think I think they're a different breed right now, and I everybody's saying upset watch, upset watch. I think Oklahoma's going to come to play, and they're going to prove some people wrong this weekend. I hope you're right. That would be that would be pretty pretty baller because I hate Cincy. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean I'm gonna kind of follow the pack here. Um, I think that this it's not an upset watch per se, but I think they'll definitely cover the 14 Cincinnati. Um, that just seems really high for a road opponent going into a hostile environment. Um, that's a very prideful city, a very very prideful school, and they're going to have daggers out when they come to town, particularly with a Big Ten school. So I think um, I, I I would say Oklahoma wins, but I think it's a one-possession win. Hey, Oklahoma is going to SEC next year with Texas, and if they want to prove their worth going into the best conference in college football, they need to really take advantage of all these teams and score these points. And I think Oklahoma having that motivation will allow them to accomplish that goal. Now, focusing on 330 games, and let's uh, circle back to Colorado. Number 19th ranked Colorado is going on the road to Oregon and face Bo Nix in that squad. Oregon opening up. Minus 21 points. So, yeah, very big steep. Hell no. What do you say? What do you guys say? What do you think? Uh, I, I love it. Uh, give me the give me the ducks. Uh, all I'm going to say is I, I think I have a soul read on this game. I think I, I can predict it. I, I really believe um, Colorado's going to score in the first half and Oregon's going to score and Oregon's going to score and they're going to score and they're going to score and they're not going to stop. Uh, Colorado... Mm. Without Travis Hunter, will not stop this offense. Will I think Colorado score maybe twenty eight, something like that? The over under on this game, I believe I saw seventy and a half. Um, I honestly think Oregon can get that themselves this week. Um, I know <laughs> that's like a crazy statement to make, but I, I really don't like how like Colorado's play style in this matchup, the up tempo, like pass and everything. I, I think Oregon's just it's going to be a race to a hundred, and Oregon's. Gonna win that or race to fifty, and Oregon's going that race ten out of ten times. 
Yeah, by the way, it is 70 and a half. Yeah. Um, I would say bet that over. But I'm actually going to go with you. I think um, Colorado's going to suffer their first loss. Um, maybe if this was on the road, it'd be a different story. But um, they're gaining some momentum and growing in a strong program again. And I think, especially with the absence of Travis Hunter, it's um, they're just going to meet a team that just is a little bit better in, with the recruiting process there. I think it'll still be fun and entertaining, but um, maybe it's okay to get some obstacles going their way now with the Buffaloes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I, I, I just really think Bo Nix is not Colorado State. Bo Nix... Um, feel like he's been in college for 15 years, but Bo Nix is going to definitely, Probably. Uh, he has the experience. He knows how to handle a team that swaggered out like Colorado. That's going to come in high up. They're going to let you know how good they are. They're going to let you hear it. Um, I think Oregon shuts them up. I do. Yeah. I mean, see now here's the thing. I got to play devil's advocate, even though you guys made a compelling enough case for me to move to the other side. So I think, I don't know, the more I think about it, the more the up-tempo, you know, process and procedure with this offense, I think that they can cover the 21. 21 felt high coming out the coming out the gate, but I'm starting to kind of put the picture together. Um, I just don't think Colorado is due for a loss until next week. So I will pick with my heart, not with my brain. Um, I think Colorado will win in a field goal upset. Um I think it again. It's going to be up tempo. It's going to be a matter of possessions, but I think it'll be somewhere around like a 35-31 type of game, or uh, pardon me, thirty-four, thirty-one type of game. All right, you, uh, you, UCLA, the Bruins, ranked twenty-two, are going to Utah, opening at minus four and a half. Give me Utah UTEPs on this one. I think they're going to win pretty handily, and I think Utah is an underrated program this year. Um, give me the UTEPs on this beating the Bruins and, and, um, going with the points on this too. The win by a touchdown. Um, I disagree. I give me UCLA. I'm Chip Kelly and the team. Give me them. Give me the boys. Um, I, I think UCLA is very, um, another team that's kind of underrated. Uh, Utah, I know big win opening week versus Florida. Um, I don't trust this quarterback. I and the kid last year that got hurt in the Rose Bowl. I, I don't trust this new team, a new system. I know they are off to a hot start, but I, I really think UCLA um, wins this game outright. Um, obviously, I'm taking them four and a half, but I'm also taking UCLA on the money line. They win this game outright. I think Utah like wins. Um, I'm impressed with this team. Um, they're kind of my Oregon the way that uh, – the way that Nico feels about Oregon, I feel a way about Utah, but for the inverse approach, I think that their defense is stalwart. It's stout. Um, it can hang with anybody. You saw it with the Florida game to open the year. Um, but I just think that it's going to be one of those tough in the mud power games, uh, low scoring. Uh, I got Utah winning without covering. I got them winning by four. So I would go 14, uh, 10. Okay. Yeah, and UCLA has like the only thing I'm worried about if they're coming in, they have their five next five games. Um, I know they have to play home against Washington State at Oregon State, then they have to go to Stanford, which could be tricky, and then Colorado. Their next five games are just good, 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 good. Like Stanford's down, but at Stanford, um, yeah, I, I, I just I think UCLA. Um, as long as they just focus on this game and everything, I think I think they're going to come out with the dub. 
they could they could remain in the top twenty five if they keep this tight this game, even if they lose. This is good. This is going to be a fun one to talk about. Fifteenth ranked Ole Miss going up against Alabama yes. back at Tuscaloosa. Bama's opening at minus six and a half. All right. Stop it. Yeah, it looks like Row is going to get the start again, I believe. And you know what? Though I would like to see Mississippi end Bama's season pretty much if they could get this victory. I think um, Milrow is going to snap out of it, show the potential he has, and have a real good game where they're going to score a lot of points on Ole Miss. And I'm going to give the points to Bama on this one. They're going to get the victory and maybe um, – you know, being ranked going in thirteenth at home, that's going to finally wake some eyes up and show what Saban has, and probably his first real at um, obstacle season since he became the coach of Bama. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I, I personally think Bama finds a way to win this game. I do think Ole Miss covers. Um, if you can get the lineup at seven. That would be great, but I, I really do think Ole Miss covers this game. Um, I think Bama and their coaching experience, everything. I'm not shy away from Lane Kiffin or anything, but I think Bama pulls this one out late. Um, I do agree. I think there will be points. Mm. I think there will be some fireworks in the game. Um, so you think it's going to be close? Interesting. I do. I do think it's going to be close. I do. Um, I, I the one thing that's going to stand out to this is, in my opinion, is um, both offenses. I I, I think are very. Bama's not proven, but Ole Miss's defense is not. I mean, we don't really know. It's a question mark. Like we don't know as of now. Um, Ole Miss offense very, very good. Uh, this could be a weird game where special teams will win the game. Um, it, it could be one of those things like who's going to have a big return, who's going to make a massive play, who's going to come out and make a turnover. So you're going to be a muff punt. It's one of those games where um, I, I think I, I still think Bama's going to find a way to win late, in my opinion. Yeah, I almost have like an identical prediction. Um, I I think like whenever you look at the sagas of Bama and, and New England, like with the Patriots, you never see any of the protégés come up and beat them in Foxborough or beat them at home. So I feel like Bama's going to win a tight game. It's going to be a pride win. And I think um, <laughs> I think Saban's going to be like trolling him on the sidelines, kind of like Baker did like a few years ago with his nuts. He's like, you like that? You like that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be like that with Lane Kiffin. Um, I just, I mean, this Mississippi team will be good for the rest of the year, but I just think that Bama has their number. All right. I just want to talk about this matchup because it's hilarious to me. Let's have your UConn mention of the week, Alex. 18th rate Duke against UConn. <laughs> the winless UConn versus the undefeated Duke Blue Devils. Duke opening at minus 21 and a half. You know what? I'm going to take the very risky spread, and Duke is going to embarrass the people of the people of UConn, and it's going to be a mess. Jim Mora will be like, damn, what did I get myself into? I thought I had something. Um, playing against pretty legit schools, and UConn is not stepping up where they should. Yeah, uh, I I think uh, I do think UConn is. Um, I, I texted Alex actually after the first week. I like their defense. I I, I think their defense is interesting. I was very shocked they allowed uh, 17 first half points to FIU last week. Was not uh, thrilled about that, but I I really think UConn. Um, covers this game. Um, Duke, I know Ooh. Duke has has a couple wins. Um, 
But I think UConn is the type of team that they're going to get three, four yards of carry this week. They're going to milk the clock, play defense, and they're going to keep it somewhat close. But I do have Duke win in pretty comfortably at 17. Uh, final score, I'd probably say like around like a, maybe a 31-13 type thing, something like that, 31-10 maybe. Um, but I do think UConn covers the 21 and a half. Oh, you're you're very gracious, sir. Um, no, I think I think they're gonna get spanked. I wish I had a better story, but um, I was really playing <laughs> basketball game. It's not a football game, but we do what we can. You know, we'll we'll take it. Um, yeah, they. I I don't know. I mean, it's see, like when I first saw the twenty one, I was like, that's fucking high for a home game. But they've also been laying down at home, so I I can't count on them to like really get up for these games. Unfortunately. Um, so I, I, I sell, um, you know, with a heavy heart, I will say that, uh, Duke routes him. I think this game should be over by half. Everything's going to be all right, Alex. Everything's going to be fun. I'm just counting down to basketball. Get that freaking ring in the, in the stadium. That's it. Yeah. Hear that. Wait till Syracuse comes back. Oh, bring it. Bring it. Another very close matchup. Two more that I wanted to hit on. Oregon State against Washington State. Two undefeated teams with Oregon State only opening at minus three. What do we think about this? Um, I like Oregon State in this game. Um, um, Evil Ailey, I can't really pronounce his name. Great, uh, he, great quarterback. Um, I, I think he – I liked what he's done the first couple weeks of this Oregon State team. I think he's in an offense that fits for him. Um, Clemson, obviously, he had his struggles – um, but I, I do like Oregon State. I, it's a this is a tough one. This is a game that I'm personally betting wise staying away from. But I, I do think Oregon State um, gets the win, and I think three is a great number. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a field goal game. Three is a great. I think Vegas has this right on yeah. the number. Yeah. No, I was gonna say like this feel. This feels like a, th- a three point game for sure. Either way, um, I do like Oregon State going into Washington State's health I, house. Yeah. Um, I think that it is going to be a tight game. It's going to boil down to whoever's going to make that extra, you know, that extra, um, you know, that extra tackle or that extra live ball after a fumble or, you know, a muff punt or something. Um, I think that this is going to be one of those games. And I'm excited to see the turnout because whenever you have packed all opponents, it gets, gets testy. All right. This is a very big matchup here. And this is the game of the week, no doubt. Number six ranked Ohio State. The Ohio State University is going to South Bend to play the number ninth ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Sorry, Ohio State is opening at minus three on the road. What's going to happen here for me? This is the biggest challenge for Notre Dame so far. And I think Sam Hartman and the crew are going to defeat Ohio State and get the win at home. A huge advantage for them. It will go back and forth. I would say bet the over here. The over, just to confirm, is 55 and a half. Not too much to ask for. I think it goes back and forth with Notre Dame getting the win and continuing an undefeated season. Please, 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 please make this work. And then with that, they should 
as long as it's a convincing victory, they should then get into the top four from there. So I'm really betting on the Fighting Irish on this one. Very big game. A lot of momentum. College game days there. Pat McAfee's there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think um, you are going to disappoint a lot of Buckeye fans. Let's go Notre Dame on this one. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think this is Notre Dame's time. This is Notre Dame's year. Every single year, Notre Dame's biggest question mark was the quarterback. Uh, Ian Book, they made an offense that worked for him a few years back. But this year, you have a legit five-tool quarterback. Um, I, I think this is the game. You get a guy like Freeman, you get a coach like him to win games like this. Um, you don't make that higher for a program that's arguably the most in recent in recent years in Alabama, but oh, maybe the most prestigious university there is. Um, you don't make that decision easily. They got Freeman for a reason. Last year, getting his first taste of Ohio State at Ohio State, back in South Bend, give me the Fighting Irish. Uh, I, I I think this is going to be um, a re Notre Dame coming out party for Hartman. Um, I know he's had one in the past, but at Notre Dame, I think people are going to see not only is this defense legit. They have a quarterback, and this team is scary. I want a front row. I want LeBron James and Shane Gillis sitting next oh to each other. Back and That's what I want. That's what I want. I'm on uh, team Shane Gillis for this one, for sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. Fuck LeBron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think this – yeah, this is going to be an unbelievable game. I'm so excited. I love having the marquee games, unlike the NFL, at 730 because this old man's got to sleep. I love a 7.30 kickoff. It's going to be beautiful in South Bend, even if it's downpouring. Um, I'm excited because I'm riding the bandwagon train with you guys for the short term. I'm I'm picking Notre Dame in this game. Um, what was the line again? The three. line is three, yep. Yeah. For Ohio it, State. It, it, I could even go mm, – wow. Um, I could even go four. I think it's going to be a matter of possession. So 55 um, – you know, I see that boiling out, playing out as like a 28-27 victory or um, a 29-26, you know, something in that range. I think it's going to be real tight. Um, it's going to be – I haven't even checked the forecast for the game for that night, but um, I fully expect a really competitive game on the ground. I think you're going to see a lot of highlights, a lot of, fl- lot of, lot of flashes of brilliance. And it'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, Coach Freeman shows up for this game because we know what Ryan Day is. We know how he's going to have his guys ready. But it'll be interesting to see how he shows up getting ready to play, especially after last year's loss. Absolutely. Uh, I, it's their game. It's, uh, I think I, – I just – I really think if they don't turn the ball over, um, I think Hartman's going to have a big day, like, yards-wise, uh, just looking good. I, I think – it, I know you mentioned Matt about the over. I like the under in a game like this. Mm-hmm. I, I I think both teams in this top matchup. Um, it's going to be a defensive battle. It's going to be coaching, coaching, out coaching each other. Um, but I do have Notre Dame winning this game. All right, I definitely respect that too. And I do see it could go either way, and especially in these hot, intense matchups. Um, especially when you have legitimate college defenses, it um. It definitely pushes the under, but it could go either way. I just think I can see Stan Hartman really going him and taking advantage um, of his great weapons he has, especially. So we'll ultimately see where it goes. That'll wrap up our college football week three discussion, and we'll look ahead to week four. Great stuff, Nico, on your debut. We will see you on Tuesday for the NFL. Make your NFL debut there. 
And then um, we'll have you back. It's great to have you um, throughout. Thanks for having me. History of this. Uh, Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what can happen. Love the conversation. Um, Alex, thanks for uh, bringing the idea to me. Matt, thanks for letting me on board. Excited. Thank you for bringing the idea to me as well, Alex. So great work, gentlemen. And we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Enjoy some football. Look at that. Nico with an amazing debut. Alex Ranelio doing his thing as always. And that was a very, very good show. Really looking forward to this Saturday. I think it'll be a Saturday we will not forget in the world of college football. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter and X at Pod, and we're on TikTok and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So we're back on Friday. We're doing another tweet cap, bringing that back. So we have some things to talk about. Taylor Swift might have a new boo. We have U.S. Senators getting frisky at Broadway shows and a lot more after that. So we will get into that. We will have some fun and I will see you tomorrow with it. So I just want to thank Nico for giving us a great debut today. I want to thank Alex Ranelio for his contributions to the show. I want to thank Alex DeJesus for what he does behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us, no matter what. So with all of that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I will see you tomorrow with a new tweet cap. And don't forget to check in on your friends and family. All right, let's enjoy college football this Saturday, and it'll be a good time. See you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great day. Peace.